Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Andrew Grossman. And this is Shai Kamacha. We are thrilled that you could tune into our podcast in which we will be viewing the humanitarian crisis in Yemen as part of a political battle for power and hegemony between Saudi Arabia and Iran. We will begin our analysis by mapping the history of tensions that have existed between Saudi Arabia and Iran. These tensions cannot solely be boiled down to sectarian differences as they typically are in Western Orientalist discourse. This idea of ancient hatreds is largely a historical. The conflict is one of political power and influence. However, the language used to fuel this conflict is often religious. There's no denying that there are religious distinctions between the two countries. Saudi Arabia is a majority Sunni Muslim country and Iran is a majority Shia Muslim country. However, historically, these sectarian distinctions haven't been quite so contentious and there are a number of more contemporary political events that are of greater significance. The modern history of the conflict begins in 1979 with the Iranian Revolution, in which Ayatollah Khomeini led a popular revolt against the US-backed absolutist monarchy. Though this was only the beginning for Ayatollah Khomeini, who was looking to export his revolution to the entire region, labeling it as an uprising of all Muslims, and directly calling for the overthrow of of American-backed rulers in the region. This shocked the House of Saud in Saudi Arabia, as they themselves were an American-backed absolutist monarchy. Protests broke out in the Shia-majority eastern province, which was met with violence and the deaths of several civilians. The Saudi government used these uprisings to color the revolution in sectarian terms, calling it a Shia plot to overthrow the Sunni-majority country. This soured relationship led to the first of a long series of proxy wars fought between the two countries. This first conflict was only a proxy war for Saudi Arabia. For Iran, it was a direct invasion by Saddam Hussein, who wanted to take advantage of Iran's weakened political position post-revolution to seize land that he felt historically belonged to Iraq. He was also motivated to deal a blow to the revolution as he similarly feared a wave of uprising among the Shia majority in Iraq. This war was openly supported and financed by Saudi Arabia. The war ended in a ceasefire after eight years of heavy casualties on both sides. The perseverance of Iran and the open animosity of Saudi Arabia would come to define the conflict in the modern era. The Arab Spring in 2011 created a kind of cold war between the two countries, who began fighting for influence all over the region, looking to bolster their own standing and to prevent the other from gaining a strategic advantage. They got involved in uprisings in Tunisia, Bahrain, Libya, and more, but there wasn't yet a direct military intervention. This changed when the two countries began fighting with direct military aid and intervention in Syria and Yemen. With a specific focus area in Yemen, we now want to trace the state-building process that has occurred in Yemen over the past 70 years. The Republic of Yemen was born in 1990 after the reunification of the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen in the south and the Yemen Arab Republic in the north. South Yemen gained independence in 1963 after more than a century of British colonial rule. The geographic area of the former south is larger in size but accounts for only around one-sixth of the population of today's Yemen. South Yemen became a socialist state with one-party rule and socially liberal institutions. In contrast, most of Yemen's population today live in the fertile highlands of the former North Yemen, which gained independence in 1962 after centuries of isolation under the reactionary rule of a theocratic regime called an Imamath. 
Both countries effectively started to build their own institutions since the early 1970s after the British evacuated their posts in the south and the civil war in the north ended. Until now, Yemen has been a largely rural society with only 35% of the population living in urban centers. This is especially true for the tribal territories of the former north, while the majority of the population in the south live in urban coastal centers, as the rest of the south is almost entirely a desert area. In the 1960s, the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen was fighting for complete independence from British rule, while the Yemen Arab Republic was involved in an armed civil war between the supporters of the Republic and loyalists to the old regime of the Imamate. The North succeeded in 1970 to win over royalists thanks to the help of the Egyptian military under the leftist regime of the former Egyptian president, Abdel Nasser. It did, however, witness a period of power struggles and political assassinations, which ended in 1978 with the rise of the former president, Ali Abdullah Saleh. The South also witnessed major political rival rivalries within the governing leftist party of the National Liberation Front, which governed until 1970 under a twin leadership system. The NFL, or the National Liberation Front, adopted a Marxist or Leninist governance system with significant monetary support from the Soviet Union, which secured for itself military bases closest to the Arabian Sea and hence the global trade routes. Yemen was finally reunified in 1990 after the military triumph of the North in a civil war over the reunification that was fought between the South and the North in 1994. To situate this in the 2011 protests, in early 2011, a wave of pro-democracy protests swept the Middle East and North Africa, unseating leaders in Tunisia and Egypt and leading to a sustained unrest in other countries, including Libya, Syria, and Bahrain. In Yemen, pro-democracy activists and members of the opposition staged protests challenging the rule of President Ali Abdullah Saleh, who had held power for more than three decades in spite of Yemen's economic underdevelopment, shifting political landscape and fractitious tribal society. The Yemeni demonstrations proceeded with little violence between protesters and security forces. In response to the demonstrations, Saleh made several economic con concessions including a reduction in income taxes and an increase in the salaries for government employees. In February 2011, he promised not to stand for re-election when his current term ended in 2013, and he vowed that his son would not succeed him in office. The move failed to placate protesters who noted that Saleh had not acted on a previous promise not to seek re-election in 2006. Rejecting Saleh's concessions, protesters held daily rallies, often clashing with Saleh supporters whose attacked with stones, sticks, and, and occasionally firearms. On February 20, thousands of Yemeni university students and recent graduates staged a sit-in on the campus of Sana'a University in the capital, vowing not to end their protest until Saleh stepped down as president. Saleh resisted calls for his ouster, saying that his early departure would cause chaos in the country. The increasingly violent tactics used by security forces against protesters eroded support for Saleh within the Yemeni government, weakening his hold on power. On March 18, Saleh loyalists in civilian clothes opened fire on protesters in Sana'a, killing at least 50 people. The episode caused dozens of Yemeni officials, including diplomats, cabinet ministers, and members of parliament to resign in protest and caused the military officers to pledge support to the opposition group against the government. After several days of negotiations in late November, Saleh signed an, an internationally mediated agreement to transfer power to Vice President Hadi in exchange for immunity from prosecution. Yemen still remained deeply divided under Hadi, 
the central government continued to face challenges from Hadi rebels and Islamist militants. Economic conditions were dismal. A year into Hadi's term, GDP remained well below its pre-2011 level and unemployment soared, especially among young people. Most of the country faced shortages of food, water, and basic goods. In southern areas, dissatisfaction led to a resurgence of secessionist sentiment. This came to a head in 2014 after Hadi cut fuel subsidies, causing the Houthis to invade Sa'ana, the capital of Yemen. The Houthis are a predominantly Shia Islamist political movement that emerged in Yemen's northwestern province of Sada'a in the 90s. They were founded around a belief in the Zaidi sect of Shia Islam, which represents a significant minority of the Yemeni population, who they felt were stripped of their political power when the Zaidi Imanate was overthrown in 1962. However, they grew beyond this ide ideology and became a political group more broadly opposed to the Saleh government. They led insurgent activities throughout the 2000s and were avid supporters of the uprising in 2011, calling for an end of Saleh's government. In 2015, there was an effort to resolve the political tensions in Yemen through a conference featuring representatives of many of the prominent political factions in the region. The end resolution was a proposal to reform the country into a federal system and split the country into six regions. However, this proposal was not accepted by the Houthis. Following the rejection of the Federalist proposal, they seized the presidential compound in Sa'ana, prompting the resignation of Hadi and his administration. Hadi fled from the capital to the city of Aden in the south of Yemen. Here, he rescinded his resignation and declared the illegitimacy of the Houthi government. This was effectively the start of the civil war. Houthi troops began marching south, claiming territory with little resistance on their way to Aden. In March of 2015, at the pleading of Hati, Saudi Arabia formed a coalition of Arab states, including the UAE, Egypt, Morocco, Jordan, Bahrain, Sudan, and Kuwait, with the logistical support of the United States, and began an aerial campaign against the Houthis, as well as a naval blockade. Both of these actions led to a large number of civilian casualties. Approximately a third of Saudi coalition airstrikes hit civilian targets, including hospitals, weddings, and funerals, and the naval blockade exacerbated the already insecure food situation in Yemen, causing mass famine. This conflict has escalated into an endless series of airstrikes and contested grounds, with the conflict further complicated by the presence of terrorist groups, including Al-Qaeda and ISIS, who use the political instability as an opportunity to gain prominence. Over the course of the conflict, it became apparent that the Houthis were receiving aid from Iran, despite them denying involvement. Thus, the conflict has progressed from a civil war to a conflict involving splintering factions in multiple countries, all with their own specific aims. The root of these complications lies in the strategy of proxy warfare that has come to define the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Iran. This brings us to discuss about the contemporary rivalries between Iran and Saudi Arabia. We find that Saudi's shelter to President Hadi and overt involvement in this war is less to provide assistance to the Yemeni government and more of a desperate attempt to check the Iranian expansionism in the Middle East. Iran and Saudi Arabia are the two major regional powers who have conflicting sources of international support, with the US supporting Iran and Russia and China backing the Iranians. Moreover, sectarian differences between the two have historically made transnational cooperation between the two extremely unlikely and the political situation thoroughly volatile. 
Yemen has just served as a battleground for the race of regional hegemony in the Middle East. In principle, Iran now controls four Arab capitals, Baghdad, Damascus, Beirut, and Sana'a. This has made it a potential threat to Saudi's position as the regional hegemon. Therefore, what we see here is Saudi and Iran as states engaged in a security dilemma. Iran's prior weapons deal with Russia and its, and its nuclear deal with the US, now a failed nuclear deal with the US, were perceived as hostile by the Saudis and they started buying more arms from the US and the UK. Both states also fill all requirements for a security dilemma to exist, geographical contiguity, historical animosity, and geopolitical tensions. However, Saudi has not been able to mirror Iran's approach in the region. The hallmark of Iran's success has been indirect involvement in covert supplies to Shia militant groups or parties, such as the Hezbollah in Lebanon. This covert nature lifts official international scrutiny, as the international community still lacks sizable evidence to trace this support. Similar to Hezbollah, the Houthis now serve as a proxy of Iran in this conflict. In this particular case, the sheer ease with which Iran provided the Houthis with weapons can be described by the resource mobilization theory which states that weaker states are more susceptible to violent forms of social movements as they have patches of ungoverned territories and lack of surveillance. By this approach, Iran has attracted minimal international attention, whereas unsuccessful and inhumane direct involvement from Saudi Arabia and the coalition has caused a significant amount of international backlash, with the UN also stepping in to stop the illegal naval blockade. In this case, Iran is a rising power which is threatening the already established power in the Middle East, the Saudis, who feel threatened by all of Iran's movements. However, this conflict between Saudi Arabia and Iran is not occurring in a vacuum. Viewing the actions of these two countries as barbaric without considering the outside contributing factors is a fallacy that plays into the Orientalist conception of this conflict. The West is similarly implicated in the Yemeni crisis through their support of the Saudi military. Both the United States and the United Kingdom have sold billions of dollars worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia over the course of the conflict. This includes both the planes and the bombs used to carry out the indiscriminate airstrikes that have caused such high rates of civilian casualties. There is a powerful economic incentive for both countries to continue their support despite the humanitarian implications as evidenced by the near infamous poster that then President Donald Trump brought to the Saudi government in 2019 when he negotiated a $9 billion arms deal. The poster touted 40,000 jobs in key states representing both the political and economic draws that supporting the Saudi government offers. While some of these weapon deals have been paused by the Biden administration, as he appears to attempt a new strategy in foreign policy towards Yemen, he has stated that the United States government will still be involved in aiding Saudi Arabia in its own self-defense. This includes repairing and servicing of Saudi warplanes that are used to conduct airstrikes in Yemen. Similarly, Aligning with the side of the Hadi government is of strategic significance for Western powers, as it allows them unimpeded military access to run counterterrorism operations in Yemen. Due to the prominent presence of ISIS and Al-Qaeda in the region, the West has an interest in maintaining a positive relationship with the Hadi government so that it can continue conducting raids and airstrikes on targets for its war on terror. The West also views a positive diplomatic relationship with Saudi Arabia as strategically necessary to counter the influence of Iran, which it views adversarially. This is partly due to the fact that Iran is allies with China, 
and the United States is trying to counter their influence in the region. In this way, the Iran and Saudi Arabia conflict can be seen as a proxy conflict of the West and other world powers. We find that to view the crisis as solely a political one would be doing an injustice to the plight of millions of Yemeni people. The UN had verified the deaths of at least 7,700 7, civilians by March 2020, with most caused by Saudi-led coalition airstrikes. However, monitoring groups believe that their toll is far higher than that number. The US-based armed conflict location an event data project said in October 2019 that it had recorded more than 100,000 fatalities, including 12,000 civilians killed in direct attacks. More than 23,000 fatalities were reported in 2019 alone, making it the second most lethal year of the war so far. Thousands of more civilians have died from preventable causes, including malnutrition, disease, and poor health. The charity Save the Children estimated that 85,000 children with severe acute malnutrition might have died between April of 2015 and October of 2018. About 80% of the population, which is about 24 million people, need humanitarian assistance and protection. Some 20 million people need help securing food, according to the UN. Almost 10 million of them are considered one step away from famine. With such intense human costs of the conflict, the relative success that the Saudi coalition has achieved is minuscule. At the start of the war, Saudi officials forecast that it would only last a few weeks, but five years of military stalemate have followed. Coalition ground troops landed in the southern port city of Aden in August 2015 and helped drive the Houthis and their allies out of much of their south over the next few months. The UN said, has said that the bombing raids have caused 60% of the civilian casualties in the conflict and has had many other effects. They've been mounting evidence of blatant disregard for civilian life and even the deliberate targeting of economic structures in the Houthi-controlled region, which has specifically aimed to weaken the economy output of the Houthis. Saudi Arabia had also imposed naval blockades, which made the most important port city of Hodeida in inaccessible to humanitarian aid of food and medicines. This had created food and health insecurity in the already malnourished population of Yemen. Potentially, this would have resulted in starvation of the Yemeni population. By this, the Saudis are using starvation in war, which is against the rules of war under the Geneva Convention. These violations have attracted international backlash from states and intergovernmental organizations. This sort of international attention and scrutiny also led the U.S. to withdraw from the arms deal and also stop providing mid-air refueling for Saudi fighter jets. The new Biden administration's election, in a way, has fueled the conflict even further. In announcing its new air campaign, the Saudi-led coalition claimed the Houthi attacks have been encouraged by a Biden administration decision to remove them from the U.S.'s terrorist list. Designation of the Houthis a terrorist organization was announced in the waning days of former President Donald Trump's administration and prompted widespread outcry from the United Nations and humanitarian groups working in Yemen. Therefore, our analysis has led us to believe that the conflict in Yemen no longer remains a mere national civil war or even a regional proxy war. With the magnitude of actors involved and their complexity of the interactions, it has transformed into an arena of political power play by major world powers. In conclusion, we also feel that we must acknowledge the unwavering fact that the Yemeni people are the ones caught in the violent crossfire of this conflict. And we urge our listeners and the international community at large to view the conflict not in sectarian or even political terms, but view it as it is, a severe international humanitarian crisis.